Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 201 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. Were you okay going this whole additional week without us hanging? Uh, no, I was not okay with oh, that. No. I had problems with that. I mean, every time I would see Nicolas Cage's face, a little tear would go down the side of my cheek a little bit. I understand. Not to mention that, like, Game of Thrones comes back in like two weeks, so I'm like, excited about that. Yeah, you have to. We have to work on your diorama a little bit more. You got to add more characters. It seems like. Oh man, you get to, there's no one to add. I'm not doing a whole new show. Not you, happening. You, you can't do, handle it. Just get Matt Smith. Like he's gonna be the only. Uh, I did hear that he was a little like, there was a little too much sex scenes for me. And I was like, if someone says that, that means there's probably, it's a little gratuitous, I would say. Matt Smith is like the only guy who's going to have a Funko where it's going to be like 90% of it, just his head. (laughs) He's got a massive cream. He does have a big head. He's a really good actor, though. I really loved him in The Crown. Yeah, he's a good actor. It's just like, you know, just a huge head, that's all. Well. Get around that. Hey, just you know, a, we all, I don't have your lobes, so we've all got something. Oh, well, I guess that's true. You just got <laughs> to figure it out, you just know? Just don't look at his chin, everybody. Don't look at his chin. Judgey Jacob. I'm just going to call you JJ from now on. Do you Ooh. know that tomorrow is my anniversary? Oh, Isn't congratulations, right? you two. Thank you. What is it up to now? Like, what, five years now? Six, six years? married, 14 together. Oh, wow. Guys are getting up there, man. That's a number, right? Yeah, it is. I think I was there when it all started. I remember those days. Yeah, you actually were there when it all started. <laughs> those loving glances, you guys shooting across <laughs> the library to each other. That did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> so adorable. Andrew's yeah. eventual change from no beard to beard, it was... That was oh, a good change. It was a good change. That it was, was a positive, positive change. Positive change. They, so we do, every anniversary has like an element that you're supposed to buy the gift. Like anniversary one is paper. The gift is okay. paper and somewhere in there is... I don't even remember them. Leather. And I think last year was wood. So this year is iron. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. He has like a million iron pans. What else is there? So I changed it to just metal. Buy Buy him a sword. Yeah, but a lot of them aren't iron. You find Mm. now they're like metals. I bought him an axe. Okay. That works. But it's because it's metal. It's not. Iron. Hope he I buys cheated. You, hope he buys you a shield. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> that would be it's really like cool. You got something to defend the house with. It's like somebody breaks in, here comes Andrew <laughs> down the thing with a shield and an axe, the dude's out of there. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so, yeah, what are we going to talk about today? Well, oh. I forgot already. Oh, I remember now. Um, so, you know, it is weird that it seems it was so hot. Yeah, you think? It's, I mean, and we didn't even get it as bad as anywhere else, but now I'm like, is it fall? <laughs> I, I'm enjoying Wait, the quick what change. It is nice, but it can't be like fall, fall. I no, need it, it can't to, be. like, if it hangs in the 70s, that'll be dope. I feel like there's going to be one more of those weeks where it's going to be like 90 with 100% humidity, and yeah. then it's just going to. It's gonna be done. It's, and then I'm gonna have a sweater and a knit cap on. <laughs> the darn fair started, so it like, did start. That's usually like a sign that's like, man, I better get on whatever I was planning to do this summer because we are wrapping up. I didn't really want to go, but then I saw that they have a chicken and waffle pizza, and now how am I supposed to not go? 
And it's a pretty good incentive. I don't know if I'm going to go this year. I don't know. It's expensive from what I hear. It's expensive. And I have just been, I know so many people that have COVID that I'm Mm. like, ugh, that's probably not like the best idea. No, it's might, there's a very good chance it might be crawling all over that thing. And you haven't gotten it yet either, right? No. Look at us, team no COVID. We figured it out. How's it happened? We figured it out. Um, I do want to, it's kind of, I do want to see pig races. So I think that'd be kind of funny. I never see them though. It's never the day I go. Really? Because yes, of course I would want to see pig races. It's so great. Peter Porker, Kevin Bacon. Is that their names? John Hamm. Oh yeah, they got all these little pig punny names. It's the best, dude. That's super I think they had like chicken running or something too. I don't know. And sometimes there's like monster truck. I mean, there's some good stuff. I just feel like I miss it. Wasn't Nelly there yesterday? He was there in a couple of days. Nelly? Yeah, Nelly's one of the performers this year. Oh, all right. Like I, I am. I want to. the mighty fall. <laughs> I kind of want to get tickets to see the uh, same stage where the Wonders once played is going to be putting Nelly. So it doesn't sound. <laughs> it's getting it's, sad. It's going to be a sad look. Oh, 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 that's an A plus drop right there. <laughs> the Jacob drop. What a depressed look he's going to have on his face when he walks on that stage. It's going to be pretty great. Kind of want to be there. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> that. All right. So anyway, I got to wrap around to the theme of our show. I feel like one week off and I'm rusty. <laughs> so the thing that got it going is I'm currently reading this book that I am going to talk about in the show called Damnation Spring. Okay. And then I started thinking about books that have like the seasons in the titles. And I was like, is that cool? And then I was like, I don't care. And then I yeah. told Jacob, and he's like, whatevs. We're past 200, man. We're syndicated <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so we could just, now it's going to get real sloppy. <laughs> yeah, well, the original writers are off the show. <laughs> we're we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're We lost on. all of our Harvard writers now. <laughs> yeah, we, just... we lost them in budget cuts because me and Michelle needed a raise. <laughs> you know how it goes after a few seasons, everybody. This is good stuff. So, But what was actually kind of interesting, so I was like reading about the seasons where you think you know stuff, but then you're like, I don't really think about them we just kind of take the whole thing for granted did you know that the word season in this context comes from the old french word saison meaning sowing or planting uh no I did yeah not. so that's kind of cool look at the french in, um, putting in helping saison. out with language. i like it guys good job good. and do you know i mean i think we have a basic understanding but the seasons occur because the earth is tilted on its axis relative to the Orbital plane, that's the invisible flat disk where most objects in the solar system orbit the sun. It's an invisible line. It runs through the center from pole to pole. It's spinning on this tilt, and that is what causes the seasons. I like the idea that, like, the whole earth was or life was created because earth was a little bit tired and we decided to lean a little bit just, a little bit yeah, just relaxing and i think sudden... did i do i have that fact do i have a cool fact at the end that's going to explain that little tilt oh aren't the, you excited the earth leans all right I like let's that hurry it up you to want, get to that you wanted to look cooler than all the other planets <laughs> so anyway we're really <laughs> reaching out there in the world and finding books that have seasons in the title it's not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> no, and also the titles can be very deceiving. I didn't put it in here, but like Lion in the Winter, not what you think the title, not what the title leads you to believe. You said Legends of the Fall. Surprisingly, not about the fall leaves. Not at all. Not but at we're all. probably going to tweak some of those You're, just for sport. Yeah, of course. We, well, we just just because we're, we're just wild. Yeah, that's, why, that's how it goes, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep, this is, we're jumping the shark. Okay, so the book that I'm currently reading, Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. Um, this is 
a book I'm pretty newly into, but I feel like you can already tell that it's going to be a moving epic. Oh, yeah. You know when it's just set and you're like, oh, this is going to be some good stuff. So this is about Colleen and Rich Gunderson. They're raising their young son, Chubb. On the oh, hey there, Chubb. How you doing there, buddy? Hey there, Chubb. On the rugged California coast. It's 1977, so you know everyone has good hair. And they're living in this Pacific Northwest logging town, which isn't the same as, you know, it used to be back in the day. And for generations, the community has lived and breathed timber. It is a logging town, and now that way of life is kind of threatened. So we have Colleen. She's an amateur midwife, and Rich is a tree topper. Oh. So those are the dudes that, like, have to climb all the way to the top of oh, yeah. these, oh, like, yeah. crazy redwoods to that's, cut the top off. That's a cool job, man. They get those shoes with spikes on them. To get cool, horrifying job. Very dangerous. And it requires him to scale these trees. Like I said, this, these old redwoods, which really hurts to read. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. I know. You're a tree fan. <sighs> I'm hoping that something changes in the book. But this is a job that his father and grandfather both did and both died doing. So, you know, heck of a legacy. So Colleen and Rich, they want a better life for their son. They're taking steps to assure their future. So Rick secretly spends their life savings on this huge swath of ancient redwoods. Doesn't tell his wife. Okay. Now he owns all this that, land. That's a risk. But he's like, oh, I'll cut it down, make all this money. But now Colleen, she's grieving the loss of a recent pregnancy. She's trying to have another child. And she starts challenging the logging company's use of herbicides that she is starting to believe is responsible for a bunch of the miscarriages in the community. Oh. So they end up finding themselves like Rich and Colleen are on opposite sides of this like conflict because he's trying to log and now she's questioning this and tensions are just rising in the whole town and it's really threatening you know their whole way of life and everything that they want to protect which is really their family so like i said so far it's starting off really well it had really good reviews and it it just has that feeling of a world that you're gonna really fall into in a good way mm, yeah just that description that sound that's like a, like mark ruffalo and uh oh my gosh yeah it's like a mark ruffalo and um oh my god furiosa i'm flicking on her name right now. charlie's theron yeah, you Charlize know what i've been picturing though is the guy even though he's a little young for it who played um shane in the walking dead he's oh, in that new hbo uh, john bernthal him oh, that's yeah. what i've been picturing but with a little bit of salt and pepper uh, at the, at the I, temples. I never argue about putting john bernthal and stuff man that guy's awesome are you watching the bear side note no oh, i'm not okay. watching that one um i did watch his um bernthal show on hbo but i do have to get, jump in there is he on that too like is that he's in there for like a, a minute jeez it's just like we need uh an intimidating looking dude who is probably english but nobody can tell they're like give me burnthal right he's now. really cool yeah we're gonna do a burnthal episode in a couple of weeks i, I like I that guy that's coming <laughs> so anyway um yeah check out that's damnation good. spring <clears throat> yeah that's spring it's a cool it's a cool looking or a cool sounding book man that's not what i expected it to be about yeah i just really hope that they all decide that cutting trees is bad but that's yeah, just i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go with my boy. I'm going to go on the little horror side here. I'm going to start with some Stephen King. Okay. With one of his recent novels, Billy Summers. Have oh, you checked it out? I haven't. I see what you did there. Oh, you see that? I'm, I'm going pluralizing. Half counts. Man. Half counts. Hey, hey just because you, just cause you're adding letters, you didn't, I didn't subtract any, so that kind of counts. Okay. All right, so uh, it's the 77th novel by Stephen King, which was... 77? Yeah, I read that number. I was a little bit shocked by that. Um, Dang. It was released on August 3rd, uh, 2021, which means that the movie's only in pre-production <laughs> at this point. <laughs> of course it does. Because, yeah. I, oh, boy. Um, so, basically, Billy Summers is one of the world's best snipers. Oh. He was an Iraq vet. He was decorated. He's, you know, 
whenever he has to, um, you know, vanish away from a um, scene, he's always like right out of there. But of course, then it comes down to he's trying to get out of the game. But it comes down to if he wants to get out, he's got to pull a John Wick and he's got to do one of those one last jobs. Man, that is to get out of that the whole trope's thing. getting a smidge old, <laughs> a smidge old. Yeah. I still yeah. like it, but Smith. It's like one of those basic, like, we need a storyline. Let's, you know, let's try to do this. So he's going after this truly horrific guy to, you know, make his one last kill. And, of course, something goes wrong. So then we got to follow Billy going oh around. As he's not only trying to get rid of his target, but also, you know, kind of get away from the life in general. And it's supposed to be a big homage to, like, small town living because it's not like a city I mean, that's all situation. Stephen King loves small town living. Yeah, that's true. He does. I mean, I'm sure it's set in Maine. I don't even know. I mean, need of to, course. <laughs> read about that. Um, but, you know, one of the things in this book is I do focus on the people in the small town. Like, that's another thing that, you know, say what you will about him writing dialogue or believable characters, but he does fill his books up with a wider range of characters. So that's another strength of this book. Like, the way it looks at small town America with reverence. Mm. You know, so you got a sniper running around shooting people. It happens all the time. You know, it's not. I mean, I feel like people who read Stephen King are reading this no matter what. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're just going to pick it up. We're going to see the movie in a little bit. It's going to be a good time, everybody. But, you know, before you see it, check it out. So that way you, like me and Michelle just did, you get to put your own people that you think is going to be in there. Love it. Maybe John Berthal, as a matter of fact. I accept this. Um, My next book is The Winter of the Witch by Catherine Arden. (laughs) Oh, I like this. See? I just, it's funny, these seasons. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, it's very Shakespearean so, the way that people like try to s- put it in there. They're like, I'm going to add this. It's going to sound all artistic. Yes, totally. Ever since Midsummer Night Dream. So this book, this is the stunning conclusion to the best-selling Winter Night trilogy, um, which the first book was called The Bear and the Nightingale, and the second book was called The Girl in the Tower. So this is the third book in the series. I just want to tell you, I freak loved this series so much it isn't just good this is like a hug it to your chest straight to the favorite shelf read it again immediately good and each book I think gets better and better how many how many books are there so it's just three the winter of the witch is the final one okay I didn't know if there was gonna be like a fourth I really loved it in audiobook um but so I'm gonna explain what the book's about but considering it's the third you might be like good like what is this um, but it's about Vasilia Petrovna, a lot of Russian nailed, names. Nailed it. You get really used to them. She is an unforgettable heroine determined to forge her own path. She has these gifts. Like I said, the book has the word witch in it. And her courage, and this has drawn the attention of Morosko. He's the winter king. But we don't know if this is going to be a good thing or a bad thing. And now Moscow has been struck by a disaster. And while the people are all searching for answers, they need someone to blame. And so Vasya, that's Vasilia, because they all have like four names, finds herself alone. Um, She's beset on all sides. And then we've got the Grand Prince. He's in a rage. He's choosing allies that will lead him to a path of war or ruin. I feel like I should just stop describing it because it just sounds weird and confusing. Um, But it's a really, it's a magical book. It feels like a Russian fairy tale. Um, And I don't say lightly when I love books and like I loved this trilogy. I just Hmm. enjoyed the journey it took me on. I got to leave the world for a bit. That's the best part of everything. Um, And it was just such a good story. So I highly recommend the whole series, including The Winter of the Witch. I always like a good series suggestion. It actually sounds like a cool idea. You don't read many like 
books that are set in Russia, like yeah, I really like fantasy realm. Tend to like Russian books weirdly, even though every single one of them stresses me out so much because of the names. Because Russian names, they have their name, yeah, but then they have like a nickname. But then there's like a name that their first name also means. Like there's no Mike Michael. It's like if your name is I don't even. I can't even, well, for, like this one. What the heck was her name? Vasilia, like and, and it's like Vanya. So they had, like, Alexandra's, I can't. Oh, man. They, but they're all weird sounding. So you have to get through that, but you'll get there. I promise you, I got there. It's a little confusing. Just, it, nothing is worse than Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> that book had so many names. I was, like, chucking it across my room. Because I was like, stop. Why does everyone have four names? I can't follow it. <laughs> so. if, if you want something more in the Jacob vein of Russian books, go read Metro 2038 or uh, Stalker, everybody. You'll oh, I don't know either of those books. Oh, they are turned into very popular video games. They're basically about oh, post-apocalyptic monsters and po- um, post-nuclear monsters and people trying to live in Russia in, like, subway tunnels. They're cool. You should check them out. You probably I mean, it sounds kind of cool. Just it be, sounds be, kind of cool. Just because they become video games doesn't mean they start out as something, like, you know, worth All right. All right. <clears throat> I appreciate it. What you got? All right. So next one I'm going to go with uh, Summer Suns, sticking with my additional S theme, uh, by Lee Mandelo. Have you uh, read anything about this one? No, but I think I remember it had a creepy cover. Well, I'm sure it does. That's the best I can do. Um, so basically, this book revolves around uh, Andrew. Um, so he is coming to Vanderbilt University. Um, but on his way, just days before he is going to meet his best friend, Eddie, there, he finds out that Eddie killed himself oh, out of nowhere. Sucks. So he went from being a happy-go-lucky guy to, in six months, killing himself. So obviously, Andrew is a little bit you know, taken aback by that, sure. not knowing what to do with it. So he is determined to figure out what happened to his uh, friend. So he goes to school and basically gets thrust into you know the life he was planning on building with his best bud. Mm-hmm. But now he's kind of you know he has to work with new people. He's got a new roommate that he didn't want, friends that um, Eddie made that Andrew doesn't know. But you know there's an overlap there. So then he kind of starts looking into what might have happened, like what caused this. Yeah. And. You know, it's your typical when you start pulling back layers, you start finding worse and worse stuff. Yeah. So as Andrew starts going through this, he finds out that there was this whole second life that his buddy was getting into, you know, gambling, drugs. Oh, no. Underground, so-and-so, street racing, cockfighting, whatever you want to bring up. Just unsavory wow. activities galore. I throw it in the cockfighting. <laughs> You're like, that's not really it. Was, it was the most unsavory <laughs> thing I could think You're of. You're like, this is not in the book. This is just in Jacob's mind. <laughs> um, but it's also put in with a little bit of like a southern gothic flair because if you don't know, Vanderbilt's in Tennessee. So we got some southern charm coming into this book. People love southern gothic for sure. Yeah. And this is the first novel uh, by Lee Mandelo, who was a critic before this. So I always enjoy seeing critics when they try to write because then you get to see like, do you actually know what you're talking about or mm-hmm. were you just kind of... Reading a like you went and got a degree and now you're making fun of other people's like material. Yeah, but it is a pretty good first book. Um, you know, it's got some potential there. So yeah, I've heard good things. Yeah, come check out Summer Suns by Lee Mandelo, everybody. It's gonna be be a fun little gothic read for you. Fun little. Um, I have a summer book now too. Ooh. Prodigal Summer by Barbara Kingsolver. Okay. Great, so, great last name. Always love that last name. Yeah, she, she's Jamie doing well. Lannister's cousin. Uh, I hate you. <laughs> Prodigal Summer weaves together three stories um, of human love within a larger tapestry of lives in southern Appalachia. So at the heart of these 
intertwined narratives, which I really enjoy mm-hmm. when there's separate oh, stories that come together. It's best. We have this den of coyotes that have recently migrated into the region. And then Deanna Wolf, she's a reclusive wildlife biologist who watches them from this really isolated mountain cabin where then she's caught off guard by Eddie, who's a young hunter who comes to invade her most private spaces and her solitary life. So then down the mountain, we have another web of lives, which are unfolding as Lusa, this bookish city girl turned farmer's wife, finds herself in a strange place where she must declare or lose her attachment to the land that she really feels has become her own. And then we've got a few more miles down the road, a pair of elderly feuding neighbors are tending to their respective farms and they wrangle about God and pesticides and the mm. possibility of the future. So this is over the course of this one long summer. And then these characters find connections to one another and to the land um, and to this kind of final urgent truth that humans are only one piece of life on earth, which I always think is a yeah. really good message in a book not just us everybody (laughs) let's just underline that like you know not just us and you know kind of gonna work with work together or else this whole thing ain't gonna work man can i just say though in a time where we are just bombarded with bad news can i just tell you how jazzed i was that some sort of climate change bill was passed oh yeah the pact yeah i don't know oh no the uh the reconciliation i don't have a ton of hope for the future but i'm like yes please please now that everyone in the southwest has no water and everything's on fire i'm glad people are like oh this seems bad yeah maybe we should work on this a little bit i like drinking water it keeps me alive i still think about the ozone layer having a hole over australia from the 90s guys we need to get back to that level of like pushing stuff that needs we did really push it in the 90s but then we acted like that was that was the issue yeah that was all we were like that's the only thing that's wrong not all the logging and the you know i mean all of these crazy floods which is terrible but it's like the earth has been mined so much. Mm-hmm. It's so unstable. And there's no trees and greenery to stop these waters. So they just come in and rip everything up. And it's like it was all meant to work together. Yeah. Spending all this money, we still don't know how to turn salt water into drinking water. Come on, guys. I feel like Take we're all up. waiting for that. And that's actually, I read a study that people don't do enough to help climate change because it's very magical thinking mm-hmm. that we're all waiting for like, Somebody to figure it out. Someone else. We're like, yeah, the scientists will figure it out. And they're like, um, we're not totally. Or they're like, we already have. It's eat less meat. Stop cutting down trees. Mm. You know, like we know the things, but we're like, "Mm, I don't like that thing. Guys, guys, just build nuclear reactors under the water. Use the power from the reactors to desalinize the water and then use the water to blo- in case there's a nuclear action so you can flood the thing so it doesn't blow up. Guys, wow. This Look is at just Jacob. Why is no one calling this guy? Basic off the top of my head <laughs> stuff. Basic. Just because you don't want to pay for it. <laughs> Fig- figure it out, everybody. Sometimes I think, can't they get this salt out of the water? Because I don't understand how wastewater is treated. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand how any gross how i like stuff goes down the sink and somehow comes back yeah. out for water for me to drink i need to go to like yeah, the you, water treatment plant and get a tour me, you're supposed to like what are you supposed to put it through like a rag or something and heat it up and it's supposed to be good to go what? i just i don't get come it. on guys scientists what are you doing here <laughs> solving the world's problems here like, all booked up. <laughs> it's always all right <laughs> that so prodigal summer barbara king solver you go all right so i feel like 
just because we brought it up twice already, we kind of got to mention books that came out and probably ones that will never come out real quick. Interesting. Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring. Oh, just stop. Yeah. Move on. They're fictional. The second one's a fictional book. The first, the other one, it's out there. It's been out there for 16 years. We're still waiting on the next one. We'll see how it goes. Mm. I don't have high hopes. Okay. But the real one I'm going to recommend is The Autumn of the Patriarch by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Have you checked out this one? No, our first autumn one. Yay. I know. We had to switch it up a little bit. So... Like Marquez usually does, it's like a poem that it's like stretched out. It's done with a lot of like long sentences, like big paragraphs, a lot I'm, of prose. I'm iffy with him. Yeah. Sometimes the magical realism works for me and sometimes it does not. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, that's a fair, yeah. a fair assessment of him. So this book, um, it basically is a poem about the solitude of power. So okay. it's a book told in six sections and the whole thing is about this South American Caribbean dictator who has like and an iron grip over this um, Caribbean area that he lives in. So basically the book um, is talking, well, the first half is like his own internal monologues. He's talking mm-hmm. about like all the fears and anxieties, kind of like the isolation that he feels because, you know, he's the he's got to do awful stuff to remain in power, but he also, you know, feels like it's for the best that he's doing the things he's doing because, you know, he feels like he's doing it for the people. And if he doesn't do it like, you know, somebody else is going to, so he might as well keep it himself. Okay. Then the second half of the book is kind of like he's found dead in his room by the like the one maid. Okay. So then the second half of the book is also like what the people's thoughts of him were. So it was kind of like even though he's in a, a brutally oppressive and like dictator like that, his people still kind of like looked at him with an awe, respect, and reverence that you wouldn't expect from people that were like getting that were under his thumb. Yeah, yeah. they were under his thumb kind of thing. So it's also an examination of like how strong men and dictators sometimes can influence the more easily like led people in their group and even against their own best interest. Sure. If they can distract them with other things. So I think they've proven like people like having a leader. People want someone to yeah. follow. I mean, society needs that. We yeah. need some to lead and some to follow, but then they follow maybe not the best people. Yeah. So it's an interesting look at how like not only is there problems with being like the leader of such a situation, but also that you can some people are able to be convinced to follow something even though it's not in their own best self-interest. It's like what leads people to that? It's an interesting kind of question with uh, Marquez. I think it's one of his better uh is better work, so okay. it's definitely worth checking out. I'll definitely check it out then. It's going to star, of course, because it's the Caribbean, it's going to star James Franco because that's who we cast. Did you hear about that oh, controversy? I did. I the, can't. The worst. 2022, guys, are you kidding me? For anyone who doesn't know, gee, I can't. You just, just tell him. Just get, yeah, he got cast to play Fidel oh. Castro because they said they spent months doing auditions and they could not find any Latin American who could play Fidel Castro better I than James Franco. Guys. I'm very upset by this. Michael Mando is right there. He's not on Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad anymore. He doesn't do any big stuff. He's cheap. He's an awesome actor. What are we doing here? That's really bad. Are we really going to slap? Like, I, I don't like uh, that. Ugh, That's so bad. Gross. Franco, you're trying to come back and this is what you do? It's, you're out it's again. It's a really dumb move. Back out the door, Really buddy. dumb move. Get out. Um, okay, I want to talk about the book Winter Counts by David Heska Wombly Waden. Um <clears throat> He's native. That's why you're drawn to it. Oh, I like the Wombly. So we have Virgil Wounded Horse. He is the local enforcer on the Rosebud Indian Reservation in South Dakota. Um, I'm sorry about that guy. (laughs) When justice is denied by the American legal system or the tribal council, people hire Virgil to deliver his own punishment. Mm. So that's kind of, he's that guy. I like that. Um, And 
you know, it's hard to forget. So people are always seeking him out. He's really involved. But then heroin makes its way into the reservation and finds his nephew. And then his, you know, vigilanteism suddenly becomes personal. So he enlists the help of his ex-girlfriend and he sets out to learn where the drugs are coming from, how to make them stop. And ends up following a lead to Denver and finds that the drug cartels are rapidly expanding and forming new and terrifying alliances. So back on the reservation, this new tribal council initiative is raising uncomfortable questions about money and power. And now Virgil's kind of like piecing all of these separate things together um, and has to end up facing his own demons and reclaim kind of his native identity mm. and realizing that being a Native American in the 21st century comes at an incredible cost. It has oh. been called a tour de force of crime fiction. That sounds, that's a sounds nice, right up your alley. Yeah, man. That's like a, like a Billy Jack walking tall kind of vibe going on. There. Yeah. Well, I can dig that. Okay. okay. I like. I always like guys taking them all in their own hands, man. That's like dig that it. latest Rambo movie. Dig it. Taking right. out cartel guys, let's do it. I'm so used to us running out of time, but I think we can squeeze a little bit more. Yeah, I right. Mean, we're I'm, wild now. We're every other week. We yeah. do what we want. Yeah, we, we're the headline, we're the star of the show, baby. We got that. If Thursday. Jacob got here on time, it would never be an issue. That that would break our most sacred traditions <laughs> on this show. I guess it would. <laughs> I like, guess it would. It's like that pregame where uh, every every day Kathleen would punch Regis right in the face. They went <laughs> I like to think that's true. <laughs> um, real, uh, I'll bust them out real quick. Um, it's all right. Uh, coldest winter ever by Sister Soldier. Oh, yeah. I feel like people will be mad at us if we didn't talk about that one. We have to. Basically, that's a real scandalous little read right there. Yeah, isn't it, though? Um, so Winter is basically a teenage daughter of a local drug kingpin. And all of a sudden, she's living that high life, man, loving what it's like to have all that money, respect, mm-hmm. and power until, as happens, her dad goes to jail. So then she is, gets stuck in a group home, but she decides to take all the things that she's learned from under um, living in that situation to keep her lifestyle up. So she starts, you know, dealing drugs and making a gang kind of situation and all that. It's one of those things I'm surprised hasn't been made into, like, more mainstream stuff. Yeah, just because people love Sister Soldier so much. I mean, it just seems... I I would probably go see this movie yeah, it's if I a saw it popping movie. up. I don't understand why it's not around. Yeah. Um, Absent in the Spring by Agatha Christie. Um, it's based on a Shakespeare quote mentioning that one. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Um, Stranded Between Trains, Joan Scudamore finds herself reflecting Wait, upon her it? life. Oh, you're describing the book. I thought the next book was called Stranded Between Trains. <laughs> Sorry. Ooh, that's another great title. That's it a, is good, but I was like, that doesn't have a season in ca- it. Kind of ruins the, the cliffhanger from the previous book. <laughs> Go on. Sorry. This is the <laughs> no, Agatha Christie no, book? Yeah, okay. it's sh- it's a short one. Uh, finds herself reflecting upon her life, her family, and finally comes to grips with the uncomfortable truths about her life. Mm, no it one sounds likes like, that. Yeah, nobody likes that. <laughs> it seems like it's one of those rare uh, Agatha Christie not crime novels, so something to check out. Okay. And uh, Peach Blossom Spring. Actually, you know what? No. Dragons of Autumn Twilight by Margaret Weiss, just because with Stranger Things being around, this one is basically a 1984 fantasy novel that is just a D&D campaign. Oh. It's basically just the outline for that. It came a whole trilogy. Okay. Most popular, one of the more popular ones. It was made into a 2008 animated movie. Wow. People are still reading it to this day. So it's a whole, it's the first of the Dragonlance trilogy, which if you're a D&D fan is a major thing. So You're saying a lot of words and right. I don't know what they mean, but hey, I'm supporting hey it. Hey man, Chris Pine <laughs> is starring in the new D- Dungeons and Dragons movie. Really? Coming to you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They just take everything that I think is sacred to people and then they put it on the big screen and then they usually make it crap. I don't know, man. It looks pretty good. It, yeah. It'll erase that memories of that Jeremy Irons one from the early I aughts. I remember that. Well, good thing. So this book um, is called The Thousand Autumns of Jacob, Jacob D. Zoet. Oh no, somebody's <laughs> on to me. 
It's a heck of a title, but it's by David Mitchell. That's the weird guy who wrote Cloud Atlas. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... Is he going to be speaking in weird language by the end? I mean, in 2007, Time Magazine named him one of the most influential novelists in the world. He has been twice shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize. Um, The New York Times Book Review has called him simply a genius. But his stuff is weird. Like, I liked Cloud Atlas, but you have to be prepared for weirdness. Oh, yeah. I honestly... I don't even really want to describe this book because it's just going to kind of sound like nonsense. It, yeah, <laughs> so it starts the one direction and then halfway through it switches and goes in reverse. It it does do a lot of weird things. Um, it takes place in like 1799 in the Orient. Oh so boy. if you're into that, you know, time oh period, boy. check it out. Um, I have to recommend the book One Summer America. 1927 by Bill Bryson. America, 1927. This is the one summer we're talking about. He, Bill Bryson is one of our greatest and most beloved nonfiction writers. We love this guy. He, he really transports sure. readers back on a journey to one amazing season in American life. Yeah. Bill Bryce, a uh, friend of the show, everybody. We're bringing that one back. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of want to say what the book is about um, just quickly because it is about a lot. This is a wild summer. <laughs> this is 1927. So it began with one of the signature events of the 20th century. On May 21st, 1927, Charles Lindbergh became the first man to cross the Atlantic. Okay. Um, Don't worry, the rest of his life is completely uneventful. Yeah, pretty much. He became like the most famous person on the planet at that time. Meanwhile, um, Babe Ruth was beginning his assault on the home run record. That's happening in September. Um, Trying to see other things. In between those dates, we have a Queen's housewife named ruth snyder and her corset salesman lover <laughs> well, whoa hey what's going on in england in 1927 yeah killed her husband leading to a murder trial that became a huge tabloid s- sensation we've got alvin shipwreck kelly who sat atop a flagpole in newark new jersey for 12 days new record was set isn't that exciting Fantastic. american south was getting unprecedented rain flooding by the mississippi um there's literally oh al capone is tightening his grip on the illegal booze business is happening then we've got al jolson's the jazz singer is coming out and even more stuff so this whole book is about this one wild summer in america um and again Bill Bryson knows how to write nonfiction and make it very, very entertaining. Hmm, so you that's should a lot of, check a lot that of out. varied stuff going on in 1927. Yeah, who no knew? One, no idea. It was such an eventful year. You could he it. probably just kept figuring out and then was like, I should write about this because yeah. no one knows. Yeah, you, it's like if somebody talks about 1997, you're like, I have no idea what happened that year. Um, I read a book about the movies of 1999, though. The Great gr- book. The, the greatest, the <laughs> Great greatest year. year of movies ever. Correct. We can talk so. about 1999 sometimes, guys. Uh, that book is so good. Anyway, Jacob, why don't you plug us up? So if you want to remember 1927 or 1999, <laughs> we got just the place to do it. Stop on by your local library. We got 37 branches all throughout Erie County. Come to any of them and we can help you out guys we're good like that uh, don't forget to check out our website at www.buffalolib.org see what kind of programs we got coming up there's a bunch of good ones just a little hint and uh don't forget to follow us on twitter at allbooked.pod and let us know which summer or seasonal book you are 
checking out. Also, I want to mention an upcoming program. There's an author talks we have a lot at the downtown library where different mm-hmm. authors come in, talk about their books. We have local author Otto Bruno. He's going to be here Great. Saturday, September 17th. I so we weren't supposed to talk about Bruno. Yeah, oh, stop. <laughs> um, it'll be at the Central Library from 1 to 2, so you've got a bit of time to plan. And he wrote this book, so if this is your jam, it's called Barney Miller and the Files of the Old 1-2. I'm not even sure what that means, but... Yeah, punch people, man, the old 1-2. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. So if you want to learn about the, the little gang that was hanging out in the Barney Miller show, this is the, this is the program for oh, you. Oh, I kind of like that idea, man. Check out the old writers. There's nothing but cigarette smoke and like... Oh, yeah, I don't know how they did that. And just all the coffee and liquor you could find. All right, let's get some seasonal facts. (laughs) So every January, the start of the winter season in the Northern Hemisphere, the Earth, Earth reaches the point in its orbit that it is nearest the sun. But despite huge misconceptions, the seasonal drop in temperature has nothing to do with the distance of the planet to the sun, Hmm. which I don't think I knew. I did not know that. It instead has everything to do with which direction the Earth's axis is tilting, which is why the two hemispheres experience winter at different times of the year. Oh. It's all about that tilt. Now let's talk about that tilt. Most astronomers believe that about 4.5 billion years ago, a Mars-sized body knocked into our young planet, causing the axial tilt. Nice. Good job, whoever threw that rock. Real important. By the way, that tilt varies over a roughly 40,000-year cycle. So it's gone from 22.1 to 24.5 degrees. Didn't, that could be an issue. That seems point. like it could be an issue. <laughs> we just had the longest day ever because the Earth like slowed down. And it was like a couple milliseconds longer than normal. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, winter temperatures in Oyamakyan, Russia, nailed, sure, nailed it. Are an average of negative um, 58 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> nope. Don't need. To, don't need to go there. The remote village is generally considered the coldest inhabited area. Area on Earth, so why would you live there? It's guys? not. It's not great. Sleep. Do you know the highest snowfall ever recorded in a one-year period was 1,224 inches in Mount Rainier, Washington State? So that was between February of 71 to February of 72. They got 1,200 inches of snow. I bet you they're wishing they would get that 1,200 inches now. I'm sure you. that they are very, very sad. Um, the Arctic Circle has two seasons. That's all you get. You get summer and you get winter. There you go. That's all you need, man. That's all you get because the sun only rises and sets once every year. Mm-hmm. You watch the terror to learn more about that. That is wild yeah. to even think about. Dr- talk about something that drive you nuts. 100% like a year in the sunlight. Absolutely. Hope, hope vampires ain't Super real. wild. And if you didn't know, but you've probably felt it, it is scientifically proven that humans are happier in the summer. Yep. So hold on to these moments as it seems to be waning, but, you know, we'll be here for you. Yeah, we're going to help you out, guys. we got another 200 episodes in us, I'm sure. So says Jacob. All right, (laughs) thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.